Shalom, good morning. Ah, you speak Hebrew, that's wonderful. My mic is on, I assume? All right, great. How many of you have ever been to a real, live, genuine, old-fashioned Jewish Passover? Okay, good. (laughs) You like the food. I do, too. Now, you might know more about Passover than you would ever imagine. Uh, Have you seen that painting by Leonardo da Vinci of The Last Supper? All right. So that was a Passover, wasn't it? So you know know a lot. So uh, now that I know that you're uh, art history students... What were they eating for dinner at the Last Supper? Just shout it out. Bread. Okay. Anything beyond bread? Wine. (laughs) Jewish people have an unusual diet. Okay. Bread and wine. Anything out? Main course? Ham? Oh, lamb. I'm sorry. It's hard to hear up here. Okay. Actually, uh, actually, it was neither ham nor lamb. If you look real carefully on the plates, you could, you could see what it was. Anybody want to take one more guess? Fish. Were you at the first service? <laughs> A true art history student. They were eating fish. And of course, you know why they were eating fish? Because da Vinci felt that Jesus and the disciples were good Catholics and ate fish on Friday night. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, and actually, uh, you saw those big fluffy loaves of white bread? Jewish people don't eat fluffy loaves of white bread at Passover. We eat bland, tasteless, cardboard-like matzah. It's called the bread of affliction because we had uh, no time for our bread to rise, so we had to leave Egypt in haste. To commemorate that, we eat matzah. We call it the bread of affliction. And if you had to eat it for seven days or eight days, you'd know why. Da Vinci was a great artist, but Da Vinci forgot the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. Jesus was, is Jewish. And to understand the gospel, you have to understand the Jewish part. And so this morning, we don't have a a lot of time, so we're just going to focus on the Passover Because I want you to have a better and deeper understanding of the communion, of the Lord's Supper. Because the Lord's Supper was a Passover. And the Lord's Supper grew out of Jewish soil. And so to really understand it, we sort of have to go back in time to sit down with Jesus and the disciples at the Last Supper. Now, we don't have to travel that far back because so much of what Jewish people do today is similar to what Jesus did back then. Uh, I was raised in a pretty typical Jewish home in the Holy Land, uh, Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> and, you know, I had, I had a pretty uh, religious Jewish uh, training, and I was bar mitzvahed at the age of 13. Anybody ever been to a bar mitzvah? Okay, it's where a kid, Jewish kid gets a fountain pen and some stocks. Good. <laughs> Big party. And so uh, I had a bar mitzvah and uh, was really raised quite religious. And then uh, I went from being good Jewish boy to bad Jewish boy. And, uh, of course, the only place you could really be a bad Jewish boy is in California. So I went from New York to Northern California, San Francisco. And, uh, no, I didn't have a flower in my hair. But, <laughs> but my hair was long enough to have a flower. And so it was there that I came to know Jesus as my Messiah. 
And in the process, in reading the New Testament, which I thought was the manual for anti-Semitism, really, it was as I was reading the New Testament that I started to see that Jesus was Jewish. And one of the ways I saw that is because Jesus celebrated Passover. I mean, if you can find one place where Jesus celebrated Christmas, I'd like to see it. (laughs) Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. And I realized that it wasn't me against Christianity, which had mistreated the Jewish people throughout the centuries. It was me and my Jewish Messiah. And thank God he won the wrestling match. And so the Passover, particularly as presented in the New Testament, means a lot to me. Now, Passover is really a combination of the Passover festival and the seven days of unleavened bread. On the first two nights of Passover, Jewish people celebrate what's known as a Seder. Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the Passover service, we usually call it. And it's a great celebration. It's my way. It's the way I really like worship. It's around the dining room table. as the best food of the Jewish year. And we use this book called the Haggadah. Haggadah means the telling. And it leads us through the Passover Seder, which is basically just a Bible study on the redemption of the Jewish people from Egypt. And it includes a lot of songs and some jokes and some, uh, some games for the kids because it's really important for the kids. And uh, Jewish people always feel like we're one generation away from forgetting what God did. And so we have all sorts of opportunities for the kids to be engaged. And uh, so we use this Haggadah and... Every Jewish person seems to write their own sometimes, but we use the Haggadah. And you also see the Haggadah, this telling of the story of redemption in Luke chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the seventh chapter of the gospel of, I'm sorry, Luke 22. And we're going to begin at verse 7. So looking at verse 7 in Luke chapter 22, we're going to jump into the story where Jesus tells Peter and John to find an upper room to prepare the Passover. Let me read. Then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus, do you mind if I use his Hebrew name once in a while? Is that okay? Yeshua? You know that name? Say it, Yeshua. Your Hebrew is getting better and better. So. And so uh, they said, Yeshua said, sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. They said to him, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow into the house that he enters. You shall say to the owner of the house, the teacher or the rabbi says to you, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room, prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. So you notice the repetition of the word prepare. It doesn't simply mean go get the groceries and set the table. Uh, the, the word there really means something like make it kosher. And in, in the Passover terms, it basically means get rid of the leaven. Because leaven is a symbol of, it decays, doesn't it? And so we need to get rid of all the leaven because it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the place where you celebrate the Passover has to be purified. And so in Jewish tradition today, it's the great privilege of the Jewish 
woman to clean our house of all the leaven. At least it used to be thought that way. And uh, usually we mix spring cleaning with Passover cleaning. Now, it's not the woman that does the whole job because uh, she gets rid of all the leaven and then dad comes home the night of the first Seder and mom usually leaves a little piece of leaven somewhere in the house, maybe on top of the refrigerator so he doesn't spend all night looking. And then uh, he goes, dad goes searching through the house for the piece of leaven, finds it and usually sweeps it with a feather onto a spoon, wraps it and then throws it away and then raises his hand and says the prayer of cleansing, wipes the sweat off his brow after all that work, and then sits down to celebrate the Passover. And so we have a cleansed room because there must be purity before there can be worship. And then our dad or grandpa, whoever is leading the Seder, puts on his ceremonial robe, and the robe is called a kittle. And it's white because white in Judaism is a symbol of purity, obviously, but it's also a symbol of the priesthood. And so that night, the leader of the Seder, whether it be grandpa or dad, is a priest in their home leading their family uh, to God. Also, white in Judaism is a symbol of royalty. And that night, the leader of the Seder is a king in his home usually the only night of the year he gets near the throne. (laughs) And let me tie it together. And I love wearing this because I was raised this way, and some Jewish people are not raised Orthodox, and they don't wear these, but I like it because it reminds me of my grandfather. And then we also wear a hat called a mitre, again, to remind us of our priesthood. So I am now a priest for my family. I stand in the gap for my family. And then we also light the Passover candles. And this is mom's privilege. And she says a special prayer. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu al lahadlikner shel Pesach. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us by his commandments and commanded us to light the lights of Passover. So now we're ready. We have a home that is cleansed, purified. We have a priest who's ready to lead his family to God. And we have the presence of God through the the light of the Shekinah glory dwelling. At least it reminds us of the light of the Shekinah glory. And now we're ready to worship. Now, all of the items that I've set here to my right and my left, are object lessons. They're not hors d'oeuvres, actually. And they're all discussed in the Haggadah. And so we read some Bible, tell some stories, a few jokes, uh, 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 do some games, and we pay attention to the object lessons. And we take the object lessons because the rabbis want us to think of ourselves as having been slaves with our ancestors in Egypt. They want us to feel it. And then they want us to also feel like we were set free from Egyptian bondage. And so we will participate in all these elements. Now, during Passover, we take four cups of wine. And uh, we can debate. Churches are splitting over the wine-grape-juice controversy. Very important, you know. 
And uh, if you really want to know if it was grape juice or wine, just get some Manischewitz grape wine, kosher for Passover, have a few sips, and you realize it was neither. It was, it was actually uh, cough medicine. So, <laughs> which is why you don't see that many Jewish alcoholics. Four cups of this when you're a kid, and you'll never drink again. Okay. So we raise, we raise four cups, two before the meal, two after the meal. The first cup is called the cup of blessing. And with this, we set the Passover apart from all of the other regular mundane days of the year. We carve out holy space and holy time. And for that, we, we bless the service in that way. And so there's a prayer that I'm going to chant, and then I'm going to teach you the, the beautiful Hebrew response to it. So you ready for learning more Hebrew? Okay. You know, if you, if you learn how to sing more Hebrew now, it'll make it easier for you in heaven. So here it is. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Borei Pariha Gafen. Here's your part. Listen carefully. Amen. <laughs> you want to try that with me? Ready? Ah. Is that beautiful or what? See, that's a sound of heaven. <laughs> Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, who creates the fruit of the vine. The second cup is called the cup of plagues, my favorite as a kid. We take out the cup of plagues, raise it in our left hand. By the way, we don't actually have four cups at each of our plates. This is so you will remember four cups, but we do drink everything in the four cups, just so you know. You have to. It's the rules. And so you raise up your cup in the left hand, take out your right pinky, and you dip it into the cup and drop a drop of the wine onto your plate. You do it ten times. And every time you do it, you name one of the ten plagues, according to the Haggadah. And you do it with great drama and enthusiasm. And it's designed to scare the daylights out of children. <laughs> are there any children here? Any ch- are they all somewhere else? Okay. Don't get scared. Okay. So, so here we go. So try it with me. Ready? Blood. All right, a little anemic, okay, you know. <laughs> Try it again. Blood. Blood. Frogs. Frogs. Vermin. Vermin. Mixture. Mixture. Boils. Boils. Hail. Hail. Locusts. Locus. Gnats. Gnats. Yuck. Yuck. No. <laughs> Pretty yucky. I don't, want, I don't want to get into the last couple of plagues. They're pretty depressing. So we'll do that later. And so every Jewish child learns at a young age a very simple lesson. When you disobey God or you harden your heart towards God, God brings judgment. And it's unforgettable. Absolutely unforgettable. Now, during Passover, we uh, pay attention to this matzotash. And in the matzotash, we have three compartments. The first one, the rabbis say, refers to God, the second to the priests, and the third to the people. And we take the middle piece of the priest before the meal, the piece of the priest, we break it, we put part of it back in the middle section, we take the other piece, and we wrap it in this very nice 
matzah bag that I got in Israel. And then we hide it. We play a game with the kids. So the kids hide their eyes. Grandpa hides the matzah. And then we leave it there until the after the meal at the end of the Seder. We'll get back to it. Now, each of these items remind us of something about the story. The first item, the parsley, we take because Passover is a spring festival. The parsley, the green, reminds us of life. And we take life, we dip it in salt water, the symbol of tears, and then we eat it to remind us of the tears we shed in slavery. Really good. The second dipping we take is called the haroset. You want to say that with me? Uh, that's good. It's basically my grandmother's uh, recipe from the old country, Brooklyn. So you chop, chop the apples, chop some chopped walnuts, some honey, some cinnamon, Manischewitz, grape wine, kosher for Passover. You stir it all up. You toss in a dash of imagination, and you've got it. Can you see it? No, I couldn't either. It reminds us of the mortar the Jewish people used to build the bricks in Egypt, which was a miserable experience, especially when Pharaoh took away the straw. And so the kids asked Grandpa, why do we remember such a bitter experience with a mixture so sweet? Grandpa says, when redemption is near, even the bitterness of slavery is sweet. Don't you love that? I love it too. Now, what we're going to do is invite a sweet young person or two Come up and taste the haroset. I see two right there. Thank you for volunteering. <laughs> or one. Come on up. Yeah, yeah. Do we have anybody else of equal age? Where? Thank, thank you for volunteering too. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. Listen. Hey, you get to preach. It's good. Come on up. Okay, what's your name? Joshua. Joshua, of course. Okay, and your name? Ayani. What is it? Ayani. Ayani. Okay, Ayani, move over there. Okay. Both of you like matzah, of course. And you like chopped apples? Are you allergic to nuts? Okay, good. Hold on to that. And you ready? At the count of three, eat together. One, two, three, in the mouth. There you go. It's good. Is that good or what? <laughs> hey, we're debating. Okay, now if you think, was it good? Okay, good. Now, if you think that was good, we have something much better. <laughs> this is the bitter herb, horseradish. <laughs> and Joshua, be strong and courageous and enter the land, okay? So we've got, you know, we're supposed to take enough to make ourselves cry. I know this wouldn't make you cry, but are you ready? Okay, Joshua, not, not quite as much. There you go. Hold on. And we're going to give you just a little bit because your body weight is less. There you go. At the count of three, eat. One, two, three, in the mouth. Mm, yum. Is that good? <laughs> you want more, Josh? Okay. Thank you. 
Yes, you may get some water if you'd like. Now, you might say, why do Jewish people do that to their children? Because our parents did it to us. And that is the reason. So we are reminded of the bitterness of slavery. We then lift the hard-boiled egg roasted brown to remind us of the daily sacrifices offered in the temple. Now, a bit of a secret, this was not on the Seder plate of Jesus. It was added after 70 AD to commemorate the destruction of the temple and to give the Jewish people hope because the egg reminds us of the sacrifices in the, that were offered in the temple and the rabbinic reason go, goes like this, that one day God will send the Messiah, will gather us together, bring us back to the land of Israel, rebuild our temple and restore our sacrifices. And so what we do with the egg, hard-boiled hopefully, is we break it, we dip it in salt water, the symbol of tears, to remind us that our temple is destroyed. We eat it to also remind us that one day God will accomplish his purposes. So the, the traditional hope of religious Jewish people is that the Messiah would come and rebuild the temple and restore the sacrifices. That's the egg. We then raise the shank bone of the lamb. And uh, this is very, very important. And I remember my first Seder as a believer. I became a believer in the uh, fall and then celebrated my first Passover that spring. And I came back from California to break the good news to my parents, who told me I couldn't tell anybody. And so I couldn't tell my grandparents. So we went to the first Seder, and my grandparents said, I mean, my parents said before we got in there, remember, you know. And I said, okay, okay. And I was trying to be a good son. I was repentant, you know. And uh, so I was willing to not say anything. And, of course, everything was good until my grandfather lifted the bone. Then I almost lost it. Why? The shank bone of the lamb reminds us of that innocent lamb that was slain by the Jewish people and then smeared on the lintel and the doorposts of the house so that when God initiated the tenth plague, the slaying of the firstborn, God would pass over every home protected by the blood of that innocent lamb. You remember that? How many firstborn males do we have here? Okay, a lot of, you'd be dead, just so. <laughs> just want you to know that. Kind of brings it home, doesn't it? Yeah. And so God said to smear this on the doorposts. And it, it, it painted an incredible portrait of redemption, didn't it? It was really a prophecy because Isaiah picks up on it. He describes the coming Messiah in Isaiah 53 as a lamb that would be led to his, his uh, shearers, as a, as a lamb that would be uh, silent before, uh, before he was sacrificed. I'm, gum, I'm garbling the verse, but you know it, okay? And, so, and then when Jesus came to be baptized, do you remember that? Yochanan Hamadbil, John the Baptist, you know that name? John the Baptist cried out, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. You see, Jesus is the Lamb of God. And he was perfect and innocent. And his blood was shed on the altar of Calvary. And when a man, woman, Jew, Gentile, no matter who you are, no matter what religious faith you were brought up in, 
Religion doesn't matter. It's the person of Jesus that matters. And because his blood was poured out for you, no matter who you are, by faith today, you can apply the blood of his sacrifice to the doorposts of your own heart. And then the wrath of God passes over you. And you pass from death into life. You could see why I almost burst out with shouting, crying out to my grandparents and my family, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. I didn't do it. But when I did do it, they never talked to me again. Never. Because Jews aren't supposed to believe in Jesus. But this Jew does. Because he's... And I pray that God will help you in sharing the good news with your Jewish friends. Now, I need to take just a quick break. And so would you take out your brochures, the blue ones? We're going to now participate in the tradition of the tearing of the brochure. (laughs) So you want to unfurl it, fold it, And then we'll count to three together in Hebrew. And then we're going to all rip at the same time to demonstrate our unity as Jews and Gentiles, one in Jesus. Okay? So here we go. Count after me. Echad. Shtayim. Shalosh. Rip. Well, it's a long way from there to there. So... (laughs) All right, keep the large part, but what I'd love for you to do is to begin filling out this part. The good news is we'll collect these from you as you leave. The good news is if you fill this out every month, one of our chosen people staff members, we're in 16 countries and 22 cities in the U.S., someone will come to your home for dinner. (laughs) If you eat pork on Tuesday, just note that, okay? And on the reverse side, there's lots of boxes to check so that you can participate as volunteers, uh, mission trips to Israel. How many of you young people would like to go to Israel on a mission trip? Okay. So we really have some great opportunities. And so make sure you look at this and maybe even give us the name of your Jewish friend that you'd like to share the gospel with. And we'd love to send them some material. As you go to the resource room today, you'll see a book Isaiah 53 explained. This is the book we wrote so that you can give that to your Jewish friends. All right? So take a good look at that. It's about Isaiah 53. The People, the Land, and the Future of Israel with a forward by Joel Rosenberg. Great book on prophecy. So that'll be out as well, along with many other books on the Jewish festivals and one understanding the Arab-Israeli conflict. So there'll be lots of materials back there for you to enjoy. And you can learn a lot more about Chosen People Ministries. One quick prayer request. We've been doing uh, an Isaiah53.com campaign to get people to order that uh, book. And it's been very successful. And so we're going to start that in Los Angeles next week. And so please pray for that, would you? And then uh, we also uh, have uh, another campaign called I Found Shalom. Can you remember that? 
And those are testimonies of Messianic Jews. That's a great way to share the gospel with your Jewish friends. Just tell them to go to the website. All righty? Okay. We're going to close in just a, a moment or two. But I want to remind you of this. You remember what it was? The middle piece of matzah, the piece of the priest, broken, wrapped, hidden, and brought back. At the end of the Seder, Grandpa asks one of the young people, all the young people, to find it. Whoever finds it gives it back to Grandpa, and Grandpa has to give him, like these days, 20 bucks to get it back. And then Grandpa breaks it into pieces the size of an olive and gives it to everybody at the table. The middle piece of matzah, the piece of the priest, matzah is sinless, striped and pierced. It's broken. It's wrapped. It's hidden. And it's brought back and distributed. Reading from verse 19 of Luke 22. And when he had taken some bread, he gave thanks and broke it and said to them, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. My brothers and sisters, this is our communion bread. Unleavened bread, matzah. The broken body of the middle piece of matzah. The mediator and sacrifice, Jesus, who died for our sins and rose again. We then take the third cup, the cup of wine, called the cup of redemption. We raise it. And we're reminded of, again, that innocent lamb whose blood was spilled and smeared on the doorpost. And Jesus raised this cup, and instead of speaking about that little lamb, he begins speaking about a greater redemption. Not through the shed blood of a lamb, but through the shed blood of the lamb of God. And not for freedom from bondage to Egypt, but freedom from the bondage of sin and death. And the good news, dear friends, it's not for Jews alone. It's for Jews and for Gentiles, for all who call on the name of the Lord. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Not any cup, the third cup cup of redemption, the one after the meal. And this is our communion cup. The fourth cup is the cup of praise. And then we raise the cup of Elijah. And we invite Elijah to come to sit down because according to Malachi, Elijah would bring the Messiah with him. But the last time I checked, neither Elijah nor the Messiah has shown up for a Passover meal at most of the homes, Jewish homes I know. And the reason is, it's because Jesus said, John is Elijah, and he's already come. And he brought the Messiah with him. And Jewish people continue to wait, and they'll spill out the cup of Elijah this Passover and wait again, because my people do not know that the Messiah has come. Would you tell them? I beg of you, let Jewish people know that the Messiah has come, And that salvation is available now. And that one day, he's coming again. God bless you.